welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And guys, the last few days in the NBA sphere has been kind of weird, but you know, it is it is what it is. There's a lot of news going on, but we'll get to all of that. But first, as always, I'm Jared Castillo, and I'm joined by... Uh, I'm Daniel Huen. Um I'm just going to... I know we're an NBA podcast. I just want to say, I, I think we're going to have a coronation of Patrick Mahomes soon. And joining us... Uh, I know we're an NBA podcast, but I want to say RIP to Cecily Tyson. Uh, she's a very known actor in a black community. Uh, she died today, 96 years old, but celebrate life. Um, and it's your boy, Really Real. And today we have... This is Skylar Treppel here, everyone. And uh, Daniel, I hate to say, but I was on a sports talk show called Sports Scene. There is video of me predicting that the Bucks would beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl September 10th before the season started. So I got to stick with my prediction and uh, we'll have to see what happens. Love me some Mahomes too, so I'm good either way. Brady. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, about to win seven. You know what else we can say to COVID? Because I hate to start off the podcast on a sad note, but well respected sports journalist Seku Smith died Tuesday because of COVID complications. He was 48 years old. I remember watching him on NBA TV because he was such a he was such a, a force just watching and you know, just looking at all the tributes that were that went out on social media when people found out of his passing, I, you know, I saw Stan Van Gundy say a few nice words about him. So it's a it's a grim reminder that COVID is still a thing, even though vaccines are still rolling out. And, you know, this he was 48. That is way too early for anyone to say goodbye to this world. So just a just a, a thing for for Seku Smith. I mean, like, you know, 48, I mean, that's alarmingly young. And I think, you know, people like you got to take people need to take this seriously. It's not a joke. I mean, anyone can be affected by this. And like, unfortunately, um, Seiko Smith is further proof of that. And I all I really want to say is just like condolences to his family. It's an unnecessary loss. Absolutely. Just echoing what you two have already said, we've we've lost so many people, especially within the basketball world, basketball community, uh, basketball analysis that just, you know, convey a message, whatever they're saying, we always listen. And 48 is too young, too soon. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, lots of sadness right now. It's a global pandemic. That's the reality. But celebrate life. Celebrate life. Seku Smith was an unbelievable person and sports journalist and so respected within the community. Loved watching him on NBA TV. Loved watching his come, at, come, come up and really loved hearing him on NBA radio. It was actually, we'll, we'll get to this, but January 26, 2020, the day Kobe Bryant died, I just became obsessed with NBA radio. I, I just wanted to listen to people who knew their stuff, talk about it, and, and that's part of what we do here. And and Seku Smith was really one of the best at that. So, uh, you know, keep paying tribute to the life of Seku Smith by loving basketball. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, let's just uh, take also a moment to just reflect on how it's been a year since Kobe passed. I know we did the, uh, the podcast talking about you know, the, the one year since, but you know, it's a, for all intents and purposes, it's been a surreal year. So, but absolutely no, to, to be real, the one year day was the first time it felt real that it's like, okay, Kobe is still that mythical legendary figure, but, but you know, 
January 26, 2020 really did happen. But it was cool because I really started to pe- see people celebrate his life a lot more. It's, it's not about what happened that day. It's about uh, Kobe's impact. And, and let me say, as, as someone who loves Kobe, uh, to be in this collective with people who also love and appreciate Kobe and record that podcast was one of the most fun hours of my life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here. Absolutely. And I agree with you, Skyler. Uh, it, 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 came, it became a little bit more real. Um, once the day came and you you see everything on social media, the ESPN special that they did, and we just watched the the amazingness that Kobe Bryant brought oh. to the city of L.A., uh, just giving you those goosebumps, you know, my favorite word to use when describing the uh, feeling Kobe gives me. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I follow Vanessa and, and um, his daughter. I'm forgetting her name. Natalia. Natalia. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I follow them on Instagram and I see the post almost like every week, them having fun, smiling. And I know that that's social media, but just to see that them enjoying life and the spirit of the Bryant family lives within them, they're continuing on to success is something that you love to see. And I'm grateful to see a lot of her friends, celebrities, Sierra, Lala Anthony. Oh, shout out to Lala Anthony. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry if Lala is listening to this. uh, uh, Honey Nut Cheerios. Um, (laughs) but on a serious note it's just great to see them come together community and i think that's what kobe did and that's what vanessa is now experiencing but like we said celebrate life mamba forever yeah mamba forever mamba forever and speaking of you know when you guys talked about the impact and you know sometimes having goosebumps whenever you see things happening Daniel, I know you're not a big fan of Stephen Curry, but I just want to say that he changed the game forever a few days ago. Unfortunately, he did. Unfortunately, what? Okay, we'll get into that. But uh, he passed Reggie Miller for second all-time on the three-pointers made list in about half as many games. Think about that. So in a game where the Warriors got destroyed by the Jazz, there was a moment in time when you just knew there was a special error in the building, right? Because he, there was this moment where Curry just, he knew that he was going to do this. And now, you know, a few days later, he, even though Ray Allen still has the most three pointers, whatever, he, he, that's going to get broken. This basically cements Stephen Curry as the greatest shooter of all time. And I know you don't like him, but you also have to, to recognize the impact that he's had because 16 teams are attempting at least 40% of their shots as three pointers. All of this information is thanks to Axios for reference. Here's how many teams did it in the past. So from 1980 to 2016, there were zero teams that shot 40% of their shots as three pointers in 2017. There was one 2018. There was two 2019. There were five and 2020. There were nine this season. There are 16. Can you believe that? And Daniel, let me just let me get your negativity out of the way first, because I know you hate three point shooting and I know you have this affinity for big men down on the block. So let me have it. Well, I mean, first of all, I just want to say Stephen Curry is indeed the greatest shooter of all time. I, Thank you. He, I think it's inevitable. It's inevitability that he will surpass Ray Allen eventually. Um, he will go down as even better than those players. The difference is. Stephen Curry actually won. He he was actually a face of the franchise, and unlike you know, uh, Reggie Miller, he actually led his team to to multiple championships. At the same time, 
he yes, his his impact on the game will be felt for years to come. But in some ways, that impact is kind of negative. His three the three point revolution has kind of, in my opinion, no offense to you, Jared, has taken complexities away from the game of basketball. What X? Yes. What has ha- like what his okay. what his revolution has done is made basketball at times. I'm gonna have to say it a little bit redundant. It's just. It's taken away different types of players that we all cherish growing up. Like but, players like Andrew Bynum. Yes, I'm. I'm mentioning Andrew Bynum. Like Hakeem Olajuwon. Like they're they're not less. They're not really as likely to come up anymore. Like there there's there was a certain beauty to mid rangers, but going into the paint, footwork, sky hooks. Like what? Like Stephen Curry has lessened that to to a large degree, and like like. Young kids need to like they gotta know this. Yes, I'm speaking to all AAU kids out there. You can make a career off fit rangers. Look at the career of Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, even LeBron James. You don't have to rely on the three pointer for everything. Each person should have a unique game that fits to their own. That's that's the negative part of what will be Stephen Curry's legacy down the line. Before you chime in, G, really quickly. You, you also have to factor in the cultural impact, right? Because now th- with Stephen Curry's game and people watching how he plays, they don't necessarily have to be six foot eight. They can be five foot 10 and be able to hit those threes. Hell, I'm five foot nine. And before my game was running gun. But now after watching Stephen Curry's evolution, I was able to tailor my game. And gee, you can attest to this, to being strictly a three point shooter to <laughs> sometimes to my detriment. But you know, I was able to adapt my game and, quite frankly, be successful at it. So it's also that impact that he has just outside of, you know, oh, yes, we're seeing fewer. There big are benefits, but you, you have to argue there are negatives that come with it. Stephen's Cur- Stephen Curry's three-point revolution, like, again, like I said before, it has taken some complex, some beautiful complexity to the game of the game of basketball that were once there that are not as there anymore. And that's kind of sad. That's very sad. Let me let me shoot some bricks real quick. A big <laughs> shout out to I believe it was 2017 fall uh, co-ed uh, champions, Jared. CSLB. Yeah, man, four years, shout dude. Out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Average nine um, points that season. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I agree with a lot with both of you guys are saying, but I, I Daniel was right. You know, Curry Curry pioneered three point shooting. I know the Rockets have made it worse <laughs> with their team, eliminating the five and just jacking up threes. But coming from a coach's persp- uh, a perspective as well, because I used to coach uh, youth basketball um, and travel ball as well, I, when I'm ki- teaching my kids, I don't, uh, I don't want them to pull up in transition and pull up a three. The, 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 the simpleness that comes with basketball, it seems like it's taken out of it. You know what I'm saying? Fast breaks, we got dudes jacking up threes. We got Kyle Kuzma on this Lakers game right now, just to peek behind the curtains, taking a step back three in the corner, going out of bounds. Like I mean, that's Kyle Kuzma though. Let, hear me out. I don't. You guys ever play one on one, king of the court, two three dribbles, right? Yep. And yep. we we got to get to our spots. Shot creators get to their spots, right? I got it. Kevin Durant is one of the most lethal scorers because why? He's a three-level scorer. He doesn't only shoot threes. He gets the he gets to his spots. Lamarcus Aldridge, Carmelo Anthony. I love those guys. Demar Derozan. I love those guys. Why? Mid-range shots, the elbows. They yes. get to, they get there. Having that element of your game opens up everything else. All of this step back shit that Donovan Mitchell is doing. 
And I'm going to call him out because Shaq called him out. And Shaq is absolutely right because Donovan Mitchell it has that game, but he wants to shoot threes all the time. Bull****. Superstars know how to score on all three levels. They know what they know what their go-to game is, and not everybody in this league is three-point shooters. And this is ridiculous. Forty percent of your shots is from threes. What the? F <laughs> Jaleel, Jaleel, Jaheel, Jaleel, Jaheel, Jaleel, Jaheel Okafor. However you want to pronounce his name, he was a top three pick in college. That mother is a monster. He come to the NBA, seventeen points a game his rookie year. This game what is beautiful since? too. What this happened since? All right. I I gotta come shoot some bricks too. I absolutely love the mid range game, but Kobe specializes. I'm gonna it. make a hip hop analogy here for what has happened and will happen. Hip hop starts out very lyrical, right? We've got Tupac, we've got Snoop Dogg, we've got Dr. Dre coming in with Eminem, Snoop Dogg, the DOC, everyone on his albums. And, you know, we have that great 2000s hip hop. Lil Wayne comes in and he's not a mumble rapper, but he changes up. People try to emulate him and mumble rap with Migos and Rich Homie Kwan comes in. Now we're moving back in that lyrical direction. Benny the Butcher, Freddie Gibbs, YBN Corday. That's all we're going through with basketball, in my opinion. And speaking of Kobe, Daniel, that was what Kobe said, too. The mid-range will come back. The post-game will come back. We see it with the evolution of, right, everyone wanted to be Steph Curry. Now we're getting more Joel Embiid types. We're getting more Anthony Davis types. We're getting more James Wiseman types. And what are they doing, Skyler? They're shooting, They're shooting threes, threes and long twos. He shouldn't should be shooting threes. Um, Anthony, Davis, Anthony Davis thinks he's KD. Okay, that's Shoot different. Long twos. I'm I mean, saying the long twos are coming back, though. They will come back. All I'm yeah. saying is that I'm not worried because, yes, everyone wants to be Steph Curry. Everyone wants – no, we will move back to more of a mid-range, well-rounded game. Honestly, 1980, like it happened. 1980, there were like less than 100 threes taken in the playoffs. 1990s, and I will give Steph Curry his props, though, because Steph Curry, he's the greatest shooter ever. He's just not just passing people. He's passing eras. Reggie Miller yeah. is the 90s era of three-point shooting. Ray Allen is the 2000s era of three-point shooting. Steph Curry is the 2010s, 2020s. Shout out to him. And no, I don't want to see the game be all threes taken and 40% of threes, but I don't think it'll last long-term. I mean, I, I have to say this. Like, at worst, the three-point revolution has made the game somewhat redundant. Like, the, the you know, the beautiful footwork, the technique, the crossovers. Like, you know, you know. They're like, still there maneuvering it's it's just not as common anymore it's that's honestly that's those type of stuff the I, you know the, the famous big man like we kind of all grew up with that's why that's honestly one of the reasons i grew i grew up like loving and watching basketball to see the technique on display like the the beauty of it it's it's just something about it is missing and i and i miss it and i wish it would come back i do too but i'm very confident it will come back as was kobe bryant and whatever he says i take a close listen yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to Daniel's point really quickly too. Like, yeah, I when I was uh, watching basketball, really, you know, a few years ago, like I fell in love with Tim Duncan's game because he was so grounded and everything was methodical. Every move was done with a specific purpose. Now I can see the same thing with all these three point shooters. Like you see how Trey Young does it. You see how Luka Doncic does it. You see how hate to say it. James Harden does it. You see how Kyrie Irving does it. All these, you know, smaller guys, they are methodical in their approach too. They have good footwork too. They have su supreme ball handling skills and they're 
quite frankly, more entertaining to watch than a seven-foot dude down on the post. Believe me, I love watching Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic go to work. I really do. But at the same time, I know it's not conducive to entertaining basketball because you can you can dump it on to the low block. You can see him, you know, do pivots, ins and outs, whatevers. But at the end of the day, it's still going to be like, oh, well, cool. But if you see a dude who can shoot from 45 feet or 35 feet or whatever do that, then it's a lot more entertaining. I, 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 I get what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying. It's totally it's entertaining, Jared, for sure. But I have to disagree with the game ever going back. It's completely changed. It's never going back, unfortunately. That's how evolution goes. Progress goes. Every, it never goes backwards. Exactly. We are expecting so much out of players nowadays that there's no way you could come back. If you're if if you're in the NBA, you need to know how to dribble. <laughs> you need to know how to shoot. If you yes. don't look at look look at what they do to you. Lonzo Ball is having a, a bad year shooting again, right? His shooting is not up to par. But if we compare it to Jason Kidd's years, nobody was saying Jason Kidd is as a bus. He's out of the league. But since Lonzo Ball is not shooting well, I think if that is if that is our standard, and 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 on top of that, you know we we give hope to the smaller guys. I love it. But now it's like less hope for the bigger guys because if you can't if you're seven foot, you can't handle the ball or you can't shoot the three. And every we need spacing because you can't be on a low on a low block anymore. What are you going to do? That's making that, you uncomfortable. That's what I'm saying though about guys like Embiid and Jokic and Wiseman is that they no you're, the the seven footer of Hakeem of Kareem. We're never going back to that. That's dead. But it's just, it's not going to be all about the three-point shot. You're going to need to have a three-point shot. But to me, that's the most entertaining, is when you got a three-point, when you can have Jokic and Embiid, and they can shoot the three a little bit, and have that footwork, and that post work, and hit a mid-range. And I think that's the direction. So I'm not saying it's going to go back to just mid-range, and just inside, but I'm the three-point, it'll be part of the game forever, I just don't think we're going to see like 60% of three-point shots one day. I think that the long two will come back without eliminating the three-pointer. You will need to shoot the three if you're a big man, unfortunately, for lots of those guys we grew up with. But it'll just be better versions of them who have even more skills. I I like the direction the game is going. I don't think it'll be shooting all threes. So it's interesting you bring up that 60% number because in in a piece that Axios did where I got all this information – they actually said that where is the future headed now? And one of the, if I remember correctly, one of the uh, one of the scouts in the NBA said that at some point teams will start shooting sixty percent, and with obviously diminished returns. At that point, then they're starting to reverting back to the ways that you know we were talking about, like going back to potentially shooting more mid range shots because they're exactly. seeing how how incredibly difficult it is to shoot threes and hit them, especially at a decent I mean- clip. I mean, exactly how I think it'll go. Like three pointers are difficult for a reason. I mean, it's not like people have got to realize, like not everyone can be Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry is an anomaly. Yeah. See, every, okay. Two points. One, I said, I've noticed a lot of like close games where you need to shoot a game winner and the team is only down by one and nine times out of 10, a player is not going to shoot a mid range shot. They're going for the three. Ridiculous. Logically speaking, all you need is two, but exactly. for some reason, oh, three pointer, three pointer, three pointer. You have that one track mind, like Kyle Kuzma. I'm gonna just keep throwing that on the bus. <laughs> um, so I feel like we've seen it with the Rockets. I don't know what their percentage was, but they had to at least shoot 50 percent threes uh, last season, and I, I realistically think that it can get to that sixty percent. 
Yeah, it's going to yeah. go to that 60% and then it's going to go back to, Yeah, back to the mean, right? Because at some point you have to, it's like a, I don't know if this is the right terminology. I don't, I'm not good at math for obvious reasons, but it's like a bell curve, right? It goes up and then it goes back to the mean. Yes, so that's, and that's what I'm saying with the with the hip hop analogy. Yeah. We had so many mumble rappers, and now people are trying to get lyrical over beats and boom bap beats again. And that that's what'll happen with the three, uh, in my opinion. You know, speaking of the Spurs, he brought up like Greg Popovich said. Remember, jump shooting, three point shooting teams don't win championships. That yeah. was a huge quote before the Warriors won their first championship. I, I even, as someone who grew up loving the mid range, still do. Um, I, I was shocked when they won in that first year and, and shout it's really impressive. Steph Curry changed the game. I mean, I'm arguing what I think here. I would like to see more mid range and ISO and what you guys are talking about as well. That's mellow. That's AI. That's Kobe. That's Jordan. That's what I grew up with. I just think that we will see the three point continue and then we're going to revert back. Uh, I will say this though. What Stephen Curry is doing is that he is, changing the game into that so players are now more com- like they're more complete they're more individualized you like you won't you won't necessarily have i think you'll still have specialized players but not mm-hmm. not as much so so that that is one thing that is going to change with the game like players coming in now they they need to have a more complete set of mm-hmm. what to do yeah, three facts. pointer used to be a specialty shot. Like that doesn't it, even exist anymore. It's crazy. It's, yeah. it's it's still. I feel like it still is. You still have. There's only two specialty specialists that you really see in the NBA today, and that's a three a, def, a defensive specialist or a three point specialist or the combination of both. We really don't have re, rebounding specialists other aside from Andre Drummond. You know Which what I'm we'll saying? So, uh, I agree with you, Daniel. I, I I agree that players are looking a little bit more redundant. They all look the same. Bo Bo, yep. Kevin Durant. You know, long, lengthy, Christian Wood, you know, they look the same. They they all need to have ball handling. You need to have a shot. You need to have a post game. You need to have all of these things. So I agree with you there, Daniel. Right. And we mentioned, you know, Lonzo Ball and the New Orleans Pelicans. Well, the Warriors and the Pelicans have engaged in talks to potentially trade Ooh. Kelly Oubre Jr. to New Orleans. No attraction as of yet per Shams. And it's interesting because, gee, you brought up Lonzo Ball. They are actually the Pelicans are actually open to trading Lonzo and or JJ Redick, according to Shams. And we should look at around February 6th because that's when free agents could be traded. But just your quick thoughts on potentially seeing Lonzo in a Warrior jersey. I think it would be interesting. Give the Warriors another ball handler that is somewhat more efficient and he's younger, too. So I'd like to see Lonzo on the Warriors just to, just to see what Steve Kerr can do. Because just imagine, that'd be such a great tandem, dude. Like you have, wow. you have yeah. Lonzo, you have Curry, you have Clay Thompson, dude, and I, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green, and James Wiseman. That's a solid core, bro. That's a solid team. I, I agree with you, but it's just like as soon as Lakers players <laughs> jump off the Lakers, all of a sudden they're going to be a great addition to my team. So I'm just shocked. Bro, with the Warriors, imagine what Steve Kerr can do. Oh, Lord. Just imagine. He, I mean, he, he's, Average a double-double, potentially. He's capable of doing that on any team. Not the Pelicans. They, uh, they not give him the minutes. That's probably uh, why they drafted the other guy. But go ahead, Daniel. Or the Lakers. Uh, I think it's been obvious that Kelly Oubre has had a hard time in Golden State as a, uh, as a this moment. And I think, uh, you know, it's – I definitely can understand – 
why the Warriors would consider trading him. Um, I think Lonzo on the I just personally I don't know what to feel about this trade. I think Lonzo is a very interesting piece. Um, it would be definitely be fascinating. I it, Steve Kerr is honestly, in my opinion, like a top three coach in the NBA today. Uh, so no doubt, no yeah. doubt at all. The Lakers actually entertained. Uh, you know, he was in consideration when the Lakers were heading uh, searching for a head coach. Uh, Jim Buss was in charge. Biggest f- up on his part. He should have. Oh God! And yeah. not hiring Phil Jackson in 2012 when we had yeah. White, Steve uh, Nash, and uh, I think one of the reasons why Steve Kerr was probably not hired because Jim Jim Buss associated Steve Kerr within the Phil Jackson circle. So that's mm-hmm. why. Yeah, but anyways, I digress. Um, I Steve Kerr is he strikes me as a, a very good teacher. Uh, I think he, him Lonzo on the Warriors could be a a very positive movement. A positive moment for Lonzo, so I'm definitely interested what Steve Kerr can do with Lonzo. That's why I find this interesting, but I don't know if it's a good or bad move, personally. I really like, well, here's the way I really like the idea. You said Lonzo Ball and or JJ Reddick. If you can get Lonzo and JJ Oubre, no, if you look at the overall tenure, it hasn't been great. If you look at the last few games, though, a little bit up in the three-point, a little bit of those high-energy mm-hmm. dunks, and his value's higher, and you can get Lonzo and JJ and JJ to be shooting threes on the Warriors, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. If we're talking Oubre straight up for Lonzo, yeah, I think Lonzo could be really interesting on the Warriors. Um it seemed it's really weird before his three point shot was just inconsistent in the NBA. Now it seems that when it's on, it's on, but it's nice to see that it can actually be on again with Lonzo and yeah, seeing, seeing him be an engine that helps make the Warriors go and having Steph Curry even be able to play off the ball a little bit more in that case could be really, really interesting for the Warriors. I, I like this move. It can be made. Yeah. And one other thing about that. Kelly Oubre has like a, what, a $17 million deal or something like that when, because uh, the Warriors use their trade exception to grab him. So if, uh, do you guys know how much JJ Reddick's making this year? Because I have no clue. I think it's no like, clue. maybe, was it like a two year 15 or something like that? Two year 20 million, something like that. They would have to. No, I know it's under 10 mil for sure. Yeah, oh my God. It is a $26.5 million <laughs> contract. J.J. Redick is making $13 million this year. Okay, so yeah, I guess that, that works out then. So yeah, Lonzo, he's still in his rookie deal, right? Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, because he still mm-hmm. hasn't signed that yeah, rookie yeah. extension. So yeah. that's worth maybe like four or five mil. So that just might be enough, throw in like a filler. The one thing that I am concerned about is if this trade does materialize, the Pelicans want that Timberwolves pick. And I'm hoping that they don't, you know, the Timberwolves do well enough so that they're outside of the top three, but, you know, badly enough that they end up between like, you know, six and four. So who knows? If you can get Lonzo and JJ, I still might do it. Even with the pick? Even with the pick. They're asking for the pick. I'm just saying that's what I don't want to happen. I don't want them to ask uh, for the pick. I, I don't think they're going to ask for the pick. I, the Warriors not giving up that pick. I think that trade is is good enough. Uh, if you're the Pelicans, you're not you're not re-signing Lonzo anyway because you would have signed an extension. You want JJ Redick off your team because he's old. Mm-hmm. So at least you get something out of it. Yeah, they so, already got how many picks? Get a second rounder out of it. They got like five or seven picks or whatever. But wow. 
Speaking of teams, really quickly, I just want to get your guys' take on this. According to Shams, Derrick Rose is is getting some interest from the Clippers and the Knicks for some reason. Quick thoughts on that, because I think he'll be great on the Clippers personally, but I wouldn't mind him seeing go seeing seeing him going to the Warriors as well. Um, I think he will be a nice addition to the Clippers. Uh, I think he would be, you know, when you're one year and let's uh, even though we we you know we bash them all the time they are championship contenders and when you're in that phase like it's always nice to have like you know good experienced veteran players on your squad um then the next thing seems it would honestly be more like a ticket money move type of thing um him on the warriors would be interesting as well but um the 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 Clippers and the Warriors, in my opinion, are the best match for him. I just want him to win that ring so that he can go down in history as one of those MVPs to win maybe like six man of the year and a ring so that he can and, just make it to the Hall of Fame. And in that case, neither of these teams he should go to. <laughs> he should go to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, oh, hell no. Uh, uh, they need defense, nice. man. Jared, you sound like a Lakers fan <laughs> right now. Everybody's coming to the Warriors. Um, I don't think Derrick Rose on the Clippers is good. Everybody that goes to the Clippers that isn't like a superstar, you know, the all of the Lakers rejects that went to the Clippers, Wesley Johnson, Rony Turioff, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yep. And hey. now you get you get Derrick Rose over there, and now he feels like Reggie Jackson to me. No offense to uh, Derrick Rose, because Derrick Rose is a better player than Reggie Jackson, but that's yes. all you're getting is offense. Do you see what uh, Ty Lue has done to Lou Williams? This man was averaging 20 points last season. Mother, he's only averaging 8.8 points this year <laughs> in, in 10 less minutes. So why would Derrick Rose go there? And he's only, he's fulfilling that role. He's fulfilling the same role Lou Williams is doing because Derrick Rose doesn't do anything outside of scoring. No offense to Derrick Rose. That doesn't fit. Uh, the New York Knicks, I mean, he might get the most playing time. He, he gets the uh, you, locker room presence. He, he gets to uh, reunite. He gets to reunite with Tom Thibodeau. You know what I'm saying? But – uh, I guess the Warriors is the best solution. Yeah. Y'all get another veteran uh, that shoots bricks at times, just like uh, Andrew Wiggins just shoots hey, bricks over he's, here. Like I said, he's he Andrew Wiggins is shooting the best percentage of his career with the lowest re- usage rate. So great, they're doing something. Right. He's, is that yeah. really saying much Wiggins, though? Yes, absolutely. Wiggins, Wiggins is doing all right <laughs> with with Derrick Rose. Shout out to Derrick Rose. Love uh, Derrick Rose as a player and how phenomenal he was on the Bulls. Tragic comes back has the fifty point game. So I'm always rooting for Derrick Rose to be that comeback story. Yeah, the Clippers are in too much flux and they choke on the playoffs. Look, Kawhi wanted a point guard. Kawhi Leonard's a phenomenal player, but I just don't know if he could get them over the hump. And I want Derrick Rose to get that ring as well. Now, the New York Knicks with Thibodeau, his Bulls coach. Something about this is enticing because there's something going on in New York right now. They're actually in playoff position. Julius Randle, dare I say it, is a beast on the court right now. He is looking great. So you get veteran presence and leadership that they don't have there. I'm not saying Derrick Rose is like an all-time great leader or anything, but him with Thibodeau, I, lo- I like him in New York. I like him in New York to actually potentially do some damage in the playoffs. As far as him on the Warriors, I think that would be nice. I like the Warriors. Um, if if Clay Thompson could come back healthy next year, actually, that could work out very well. So that'd be interesting. But this year, I don't know what it would really do. So we'll see. Interesting. 
And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Shooting Brooks podcast is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Do you want to make some quick cash on sports betting but don't really know how? Well, come hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in a specific sport. For instance, if you're interested in the NFL on Thrive Fantasy, you choose 10 out of the 20 player prop positions to build your lineup. NFL not your thing? Not a problem. For the NBA, MLB, PGA, or eSports, you choose 5 out of 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to happen. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. If you're into the PGA, Thrive has new contests for each day of tournaments, so don't sweat it if your golfers ruin your weekend by not making the cut. Since launching in 2018, Thrive has awarded over $1.3 million in prizes. Ready to play? You can download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website www.thrivefantasy.com. Don't forget to use our promo code SBPOD when you sign up today to receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag PropUp today. Well, I mean, because, you know, we're talking about Derrick Rose and we're talking about how he may or may not be able to play defense, which is, you know, suspect at this point. He's, what, 32? And he's just strictly an offensive player. Why don't we talk about the Denver Nuggets? Because they're strictly offense. And on the back of Nikola Jokic, you know, Skylar, you mentioned engines, right? How Nikola Jokic, he's just been powering the Nuggets. And they're back within, what, I think the top four seeds thanks to a five-game winning streak so quick question to you guys if and i personally believe this this will happen if Jokic were to somehow get the nuggets to a third seed after everything that they've gone through he should win mvp just pointing that out there top three seed for the nuggets with the way Jokic is playing he's the mvp you can't you know kevin Durant's playing great but you know no no shot for for him if Jokic can do that. You know, I did say last week that Stephen Stephen Curry should be the MVP. I'm going to be honest. After thinking more about the situation, I have to admit, I'm wrong. Uh, Nikola Jokic wow. has carried his team, <laughs> His has literally carried on this team on his back. Um, they were down in the dumps in the, in the, oh, in yeah. the beginning. They were down in the dumps. Like, it, it, was, it was getting dire. And Nikola Jokic just, you know, he, he has he's beginning to turn the situation around um what you know like props to him he is the, he is definitely the best big man in the game today um i i have him over and beat he just he just does more with the basketball than any other big man today can and you know what i think he deserves that recognition i think for for just powering this team to the playoffs and potentially the to the third seed. the fourth seed third seed I think Nikola Jokic deserves the recognition like he should have gotten like years ago. Wow. I caught I, I said this last podcast. I did. Yeah. Not the Kobe episode, but the podcast before when we were giving our predictions. Mm-hmm. I said Nik- Nikola Jokic is the MVP. And I'm glad you guys are agreeing <laughs> with me. And you remind me, uh, Daniel, I don't know if you guys ever seen that video. Uh, Greg Jennings, broken leg. He carry, he's holding, he's carrying his team <laughs> on his back. That That's what Nik- Nikola Jokic is doing. Uh, 
I don't I don't know what else to say. I I I don't want to sound redundant myself and just keep repeating. But uh, for a big man to average close to ten assists, to average ten assists, to average a triple double is no small feat. I know we threw dirt on Russell Westbrook's uh, name. He averaged triple double what three seasons? Three seasons in a row. Three seasons in a row. Come on now, that is no small feat. So for a big man, this is unheard of. A yep, big man a big passing man. the ball. That's more unheard of than Kobe passing the ball. And Kobe passed the ball, by the way. Just a little joke there. All a right, big man celebrate like running the offense. Exactly, with 30K, 30K points. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Nikola Jokic is MVP, uh, even if they're uh, fifth seed. MVP to me. If he keeps doing what he's doing with no defense and uh, a non-existent Jamal Murray, you're, you don't have a, um, a, a, a Robin to your joker. I don't know what to do. Or a Harley Quinn to your joker. He's by himself out there. Absolutely. It's so hard to disagree because, yeah, I, I love KD and what he's doing. It really does remind me of LeBron on the Miami Heat. He's actually outscoring LeBron, getting very similar rebounds and nearly six assists. KD is putting up numbers like he put up in his 2014 MVP season. So if this was 2014, maybe. But if Nikola Jokic can average a triple-double as a big man, come on now. In the come West. On. In the, West, in the West, third seed, absolutely. I think in that case, uh, uh, he should be MVP. I think it's going to be a very close race between Kevin Durant and Nikola Jokic, though, because uh, the West is tight, and we'll have to see. I will say this, though. Um, Kevin Durant has done a lot this year, and he deserves to be in the conversation. I just don't think his situation was as um, dire as Nikola Jokic's situation was. Brooklyn oh, yeah. was always was always kind of a shoe-in for the playoffs, and they they – they they didn't start off as badly as Denver did. Denver was like literally like this is a concerning situation. Yeah. Um, it was about to go really south, and yeah. th- to turn it around the way he did, like like you, you gotta respect that. Yeah, they were Plus, one of our disappointing, most disappointing teams in the early going. But go ahead, crazy. Plus, given his play style, you know he's he's not the typical basketball player, bro. Is six eleven. 290, you know what I'm saying? Slow boat like Kyle Anderson, but more effective. He still gives us the post game. He, his, his game is so well-rounded. And on top of that, this will be a great feel-good story. Nikola, Nikola Jokic is a second-round pick. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so for him to win the MVP, man, and he's and – he's, um, uh, he's not an American player to win the MVP as well. When's the last time we had somebody outside of the United States win the MVP? Dirk Nowitzki? Yeah, Dirk. You know what I'm saying? Outside the United States. No, Giannis. Giannis, 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 the Greek wow. freak. Thank Giannis. Okay, that was bad. Giannis, it happened. That was bad. But <laughs> even we were making mistakes. Was. We do. But I think I think it's because uh, Giannis has uh, African blackest uh, descent. We just kind of let's like, just say ah, European. European, European, but it, Greece is know, still in Europe though. Because he got some, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he got some melanin in his skin tone. We kind of, I, I know I bypassed that a little bit. I feel what you're saying. I feel what you're saying. It's still a, a feel-good story for a second-round pick. Absolutely. Yeah. And how unathletic he is. That's I what mean, makes it so, like, unprecedented. Like, ha, I can't think his, of the last time someone won an MVP that was ha, this, like, unathletic. Have you seen his childhood photos? That man. Yeah. Is, that boy beat, beat Kawhi Leonard in the Clippers. Dude, like, he used to drink, like, six, uh, what was it? Six liters of Coke a day. Yes. And now he's an he's MVP. He's alive. That's yeah. impressive. <laughs> He's an MVP <laughs> front runner now too. Oh my god! So, kids, Shout if you're listening to, to this, don't be afraid to sit, to drink six liters of Coke a day because you know you might end up in the NBA as long as you're nah. good and you don't don't don't, <laughs> don't listen, listen to him. We don't, don't condone this. 
no. I'm just saying it could happen, man. It could over happen. here advertising Coke, Coca Cola. Um, we're not sponsored by <laughs> we're not sponsored by Coca Cola, but if you'd like to sponsor us, we are free. Our DMs are open, so. What's up? But yeah, no, I mean, he what he's doing is incredible. And speaking of incredible things, the Utah Jazz, they are just bawling out of their minds. They've won 10 straight. They're actually first in the West. And just a, a question to you guys, who's been more impressive this season? Because for me, it's the Jazz and their 10-game winning streak, getting them to first in the West. Um, you guys might say it's the Lakers for you know obvious reasons, or you guys might say it's the Clippers who've gone eight and two in their last ten games and they're third in the in the West, just a half game out of the second spot. So for me, the most impressive team so far has been the Jazz. What say you guys? Um, I hate to be the homer. Um, I'm gonna have to say my Lakers. Uh, reason being, the Jazz. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I don't think this is gonna last. Um, I mean, Hold down. No doubt. I don't, I just don't think Utah, I think Utah is just very hot right now. Uh, mm-hmm. They're, they're not as talented as other Western conference teams as in the moment, the Clippers, I am not impressed by the Clippers. I think um, we, we, we all know the story about the Clippers at this point. They honestly, in my opinion, they they are a cursed franchise. I think when Steve Ballmer um, bought the team, he should have changed the name or relocated in the first place that, Clippers. that the Clippers are just cursed. Uh, Donald Sterling's legacy will forever live on in that cursed franchise. Um, the Lakers, we, I think I have to say the Lakers just because they are coming. We just, the Lakers have the, like the shortest off season ever. And like going into the season in the first month, like there, we all knew there was going to be load management and they're put, and with new pieces, we thought there was always going to be a rest that there, there would have been slow growing pains, but to, to, to be to hold the ship this steady at this point has been like impressive in my eyes. And I think like that is like that's things are looking good as far as championship odds are concerned. Um, we are playing well despite load managing, and this team, in my opinion, hasn't even hit its potential yet. And just a, a quick note on Donovan Mitchell, really quickly. I know that a lot of people are, you know, I think did we mention how poorly he was shooting? in the first few episodes of the season? No, yeah. right? Yes or no? I, well, I think that's so. our disappointing a little, a little bit. Right. But now he's he's shooting 43% and 39 from three, which is just about okay. his career averages. So he's he's slowly brought up his like his game because in this 10-game win streak, he, he missed the last game. He's averaged 25 points, five rebounds, 4.8 assists on 48% shooting, 46 from three and 87% from the free throw line. And he's a plus 11.8. So he, he just flipped the switch. I don't know anybody that's doing this. So we only talking about Western conference teams or just in general, just, just for those three. just these three for now. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't <laughs> paid too much attention to the jazz. I don't pay too much attention to the strippers. <laughs> I mean, both, both is uh, impressive, you know, so majority. Yeah, both are impressive for sure. I know the Jazz are struggling, so I might have to give it to them because they were struggling so much in the beginning of the season. And to turn it around, uh, Donovan Mitchell is facing a lot of adversity as the leader of this team. Rudy Gobert isn't the leader, even though he's getting paid like a leader. Um, So I don't know too many players on the Jazz that's really stepping up. So for them to collectively work together like this and and go on a 10-game win streak in the Western Conference, I might have to say that they're the most impressive. Um, The Lakers, I'm kind of kind of pissed off at them right now i'm not gonna lie to you we lost to the 76ers yesterday and we're currently losing to the 
in Detroit Pistons. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm not too impressed. Like I expect this of the Lakers. So I would I would be impressed more if we didn't lose that game or we weren't losing to trash teams like this or if certain players weren't in a slump uh, on offensively like Trez and uh, Dennis Schroeder. But for this Jazz t- to go ten games in a row, most impressive out of these three for sure. For me, you know, look, I'll start off with the Jazz there because Mike Conley has been balling out of his mind lately. Rudy Gobert, after Shaq dissing him, saying he gets 5-10 and or whatever, actually got 29 points and 20 rebounds. That's very impressive. I like this Jazz squad. I think, you know, the way they're playing right now, they look like a potential Western Conference Finals team. They're looking that good. It's really impressive, but I'm still not going to give it to them. The L.A. Clippers, they're looking great, too, overall. But, A, they're going to choke in the playoffs. And, B, they're not impressing me that much more than they were in the regular season last year. So, I don't give it to them. Not because they're my favorite team, but I give it to the Lakers and primarily for one reason. Before that loss, the 76ers, they were off to a franchise-best NBA record 10-0 and start on the road. And that is really impressive to me. And yeah, the fan situation is weird, but also that probably makes it more difficult when there are some fans. And I don't know. I I think it's totally, you know, the 76ers game was tight. They had no business being as close as they were. Get the defensive switches down right. And to come 71 days off a championship, I'm giving it to the LA Lake Show because they're balling out after just winning a championship in another unprecedented season. Brandon, do we honestly think anything less of like let me let me try and rephrase it. Do we think that the Lakers would have done anything less than come out of the gate swinging like this because they after a successful, you know, NBA finals run and then they have a really great offseason too. I mean, the Lakers being this good, I it's not necessarily a shock. Let's put it that way. At least for me, right? I mean, my what my what makes them look impressive to me even though they're not coming out swinging they've managed to stay really steady so far and they still managed to get really good productions outside of lebron and anthony davis hmm. and, and like this this the like we're gonna see the real lakers come playoff time like that's when it finally starts to click together yeah I think with what they went through in the bubble and to have that little time and have, you know, not the youngest roster in the league. That's why I think they're really impressive. Personally, I, I did think it would take more of a toll on them and I'm, I'm impressed with how they're all playing. I, I think I even, I even think come like come when we we're close to it now, but when February comes, like that's when things are really going to start heating up. Absolutely. February's next week. Yep. Next yeah. week. Oh. And I feel like the toll is, is being shown because watching all of the games religiously you could see it in some of the players their their behavior i mean their their actions on the court how they're looking their gait how they're walking like anthony davis i can see it in his face first year i seen him so enthusiastic dunking screaming hollering and yelling and then when we play against teams like the 76ers or some games he just he just seems like he's out of it like he's an old man he sometimes i'm not trying to call him out like that but he sometimes like the fatigue he has is like it's as if he's LeBron's age. LeBron out there like a 23-year-old. Like, yeah. you know, LeBron is 36 years old. Anthony Davis is what, 26, 27? So I think the toll is is we're we're seeing it within games. And uh 
like I said before, uh, I agree with you, Daniel. We've been steady. I w- this was expected. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a pessimistic person here, but, you know, I'm always going to say that there's always room for, for improvement and yep. the Lakers can always be better. 100%. Defense is not uh, as consistent as it could be. Yeah, and we're talking about the Lakers. Well, let's switch over to the Eastern Conference. What about the the Heat? Because they're struggling hard. They're six. Uh, they're six and eleven as of recording, and Jimmy Butler's only played in six of their games. And you know, I'm just gonna say it. You know, this is not their year. They should just kind of wait until next season, get everyone back healthy when it's kind of a regular season, and you know, consider this season a wash. But Quick thoughts on the Miami Heat? Um, I think they've been very unlucky so far. No, no, no. Granted, some of this has been their fault. I just think the finals loss took a lot out of them, especially especially Jimmy Butler. Uh, if you remember during that series, he put in a lot of heart into that series. Coming and coming to the season, he only got like a few weeks off. So mm-hmm. like that series took a toll on his body and probably emotionally as well. And then you have the COVID cases coming in, like. They were what, 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 like eight, nine, ten, nine, nine guys only in active on the on the roster. The, yeah, these the, last couple, these last the couple heat, games, the Heat have been ravaged by COVID uh, protocols yeah. and everything and, else. And they've and they've been they've been going with their um, without their 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 superstar for like I don't know. It feels like a month now that yeah. they haven't really had him uh, on the court. So um i think they will pull it together somehow but i don't i agree jared this is not their year i think they're gonna finish as a low playoff seed uh mm-hmm. below top four um i think they will squeeze into the playoffs but they're gonna get stumped like they'll be lucky to even get to the second round so the uh, just if miami heat fans um i know hunter is one if you're listening i'm sorry uh, i i think uh <laughs> i think uh first round exit is kind of inevitable I am. You, you never know in the Eastern Conference. You know, we didn't expect the Heat to go to the finals last year, and they did. Uh, so for Taj. I know they're starting off. Except for Taj. <laughs> <laughs> I know that um, they're starting off slow, but this is a long season. There's still so many games. It's the Eastern Conference. You, you never know what to expect. So I, I don't know if we feel like they probably should have did a little bit more in the off season to prepare themselves for this. Cause you know, Jimmy Butler did put in a lot of work. Goran Dragic did get injured. Um, he was literally limping Jimmy Butler. Yeah, maybe their team isn't as well-rounded as they expected coming in. The Bradley bill, Bradley bill, the Avery Bradley, Bradley. effect didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, you Avery Bradley. <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm just playing, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I still feel like they can make the playoffs. They're not out of it. And as a, as an organization, the Heat they're not, not going out like they're not going out like that. You know, they they're gonna they're gonna. You wait. I'm not going out like that. <laughs> they're they're coming back. No, I, absolutely. Uh, they, I couldn't agree more that the Heat will come back for sure. This is not their year for me personally in the East right now. It's looking like I'm almost forgetting about the Milwaukee Bucks. It's looking like. The Boston Celtics with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is looking like the Brooklyn Nets with KD, Kyrie, and uh, and James Harden. And it's looking like the Philadelphia 76ers potentially with Embiid, Ben Simmons, and their starting five, all capable three-point shooters. Uh, for me, it's not the Miami Heat's year. And this, to me, is what makes what the Lakers are doing very impressive. 
we're seeing the toll of a 71 day layoff when you make it to the NBA finals right now. And what happens, uh, not having Jimmy Butler is huge. Bam Adebayo had a 40 point performance recently. A huge part of it is maybe this is why the Lakers retooled so much. They knew the fresher legs you get, the more you can come out of the gate the way they have. And the Miami Heat did not do that. No. And I think they are. Yeah. I think they still have that finals hangover um, a little bit. I do expect them to be back. Jimmy Butler fits that uh, Miami Beach culture. And we'll, we'll have to see. But no, this is not their year. I'm not concerned in the long term, but I'm, I'm certainly concerned about them this year. Yeah, and the main thing is they've lost so many games because of COVID. So many players have been in and out of the roster because of COVID. So obviously we already know that COVID sucks, but if you're a Miami Heat fan, you this causes <laughs> you to hate COVID a lot more. But um, yeah, we, we talked about the East and it's really just up in the air. We talked about the lower seeds. Just a, a quick take from you guys. Regarding these two teams, will one, both, or neither of them make the playoffs? The Charlotte Hornets or the New York Knicks? Because right now, as of recording, Knicks are eighth while the Hornets are tied for ninth. The Knicks have a top five defense in the league, and the Hornets are a top 15 defensive team in the league. So will one of those teams make it to the playoffs? Neither of them or both of them? I'm gonna I say, say neither. Straight up. I'm going to say straight up. No, neither of them are going to make the playoffs. Uh, the, the New York Knicks. This is not going to last. There, there are they are in complete rebuild. Um, if if this wasn't happen, if this good start wasn't happening, like we would consider the Knicks to, to be have to have one of the worst rosters in in, in the whole league and in, in, in basketball in general. The Hornets, yeah, they have impressive pieces, but they're just too young. Uh, Lamelo Ball, like you know, Gordon Hayward. You can't even trust Gordon Hayward to stand the court injured free. Neither of them to, are going to make the playoffs. Not to all. to this Gordon will, Hayward's credit though he is averaging 24 points five rebounds three assists and he's leading a squad that has five players le- scoring in double figures so that is a Started thing balling I, out again i, I will say <laughs> this um we are we are you know i know a lot of games have passed but we are still in the early months of the well we are still in the practically in the first month of the of the nba season we are still look. There's like 50 games left. Um, this this I think this is obviously gonna fade. Uh, I think reality will slowly start in once I think the real season will really start once Super Super Bowl Sunday ends and like the whole the whole general public will start refocusing their attention on the NBA and we will see the true play who the true playoff teams are. The superb owl. Oh wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you said more eyes on the Knicks and they're going to start losing. Uh, top five defense is no small feat. So let's not yep. brush over that. Shout out to You know what I'm saying? So I think that coach change and the players seem like they're buying in. When you have a system that your players buy into, I feel like that you can, I could give them the nod for that. I could give them the nod for that eighth seed. I can give them the nod for the playoffs. I will give the Knicks. I know you had your time there. It's my time to shine. My time now. No John Cena. <laughs> I think the Knicks can make it because they, they're they buying into the system. They're starting off on one of the most simple aspects of team basketball, which is defense. No, they're not going to do well in the playoffs. They're not going to win a seven-game series. But they if they keep playing like this, Julius Randle keeps doing what, he, what he's doing. R.J. Barrett is having a pretty solid season as well that we're not mm-hmm. talking about. 
if they keep this up, if they keep buying into the system and keep that top five defense, remember what we say, defense wins championships. So why the f defense can't get me into the playoffs? They can make that eighth seed, especially when we're, we're, we're debating if it will be either the Hornets, the Knicks, or neither, the Knicks get that nod because of that. Absolutely. No, uh, G, I completely agree with you because in the words of John Cena, you can't see me and I can't see the Hornets making the playoffs right now. Wow. Uh, you know, I think it will happen next year. Uh, I think they just need one more year of LaMelo ball development because he's going to be a great player. Uh, I think him and start him a word can turn into an actually nice duo. Yes, Sarlamello Paul, I agree with you. The Knicks are, I think they're making the playoffs, a top five defense, and then <sighs> go get Derrick Rose. Reunite him with Tom Thibodeau, third time's the charm. Let's, Let's do it. And I can see them, I don't know, man, Julius Randle, he always had potential to be that dude, and he's proven it, and R.J. Barrett is improving deeply. Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, I can't believe I'm saying this about the New York Knicks. First time since Carmelo and Amare Stoudemire. They're not there yet, but Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett can be a legitimate duo of the future for the Knicks. I can't believe I'm saying it. The Knicks might have a future. Their defense will get them into the playoffs this year, I think. I mean, but at the same time, Scholar, like – Eighth seed, ah, man. It's like, a start. It's the East. It's a start. <laughs> it's the West. I mean, I mean, like, what? what it's a huge what, start for the what have we? <laughs> what have we said about, like, about building NBA teams? The worst Jesus part. Jesus don't like the Knicks. The, I don't. I don't hate the Knicks. I actually kind of want them to be good because like, I, you know, I feel sorry for Stephen A. Smith, but that's, that's another topic <laughs> for another time. But like, what, ha what have we said about building Sorry. NBA teams? The worst, the worst part, the worst um, position to be as an NBA franchise is that middle ground. Like you're, you're not, you're not like terrible, terrible, but you're, you're not that great. You're, you're a bottom, you're a bottom feeding playoff team. You're a lower playoff team. And like that, that impacts your draft position. I think the, the Knicks, I think the best position to be for the Knicks right now is accept that you're rebuilding. But no, they've been rebuilding. They have to work their way up. They've been rebuilding since Carmelo left. They should and be what, focusing and, on and getting Kate Cunningham. Dan, Daniel, Daniel, we're talking about the New York Knickerbockers. These is <laughs> a drafted whale since Chris Porzingis. And when they that, did that, the whole city turned on them. Worst no, trade ever. No, they're not wow. good at drafting, unfortunately. R.J. Barrett's a different case, but Kevin Knox, uh, uh, Frank, uh, as Steph Curry caught up. <laughs> <laughs> Tila, whatever he however pronounce his name. They'll say it again, Jared. Nilakina. The Knicks haven't drafted well. They 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 look but they they they, 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 don't, they have to they, they haven't though. traded well either. They, they have no, the Kristoff Sportsangus trade was the worst trade I've ever seen. I mean that's so, this is where Billy Magic has to come in. No, they don't Dude, even get no. the luck. They never they never even get a good pick. You feel what I'm saying? Like I, uh, I don't like the Knicks either, but I have to I have to agree. This is the Knicks' best shot at relevancy. Yep, absolutely. Because do you guys know if Julius Randle's contract is it's a three year sixty million dollar? Is it a a guaranteed or is it partially or is a player option next year? Because he's in the second year of his deal right now. So if if that's a, a fully guaranteed, then yeah, by far keep him, let him build with with you know RJ Barrett. But if it's one of those situations where it's a player option, I don't know. I mean, would but he? Yeah, it's it's fifty six million of sixty two million guaranteed. So I would believe that means that it's that you know he's not going anywhere. Okay, so 
I just want to say, like, the Knicks have been trashed so long that this is the Dude. reason why they're not getting any free agents, bro. Yeah. We saw Absolutely. that's why Clippers. I said they need to embrace the rebuild. No, I never, to, I never they, believe they in losing. They have, they have to commit to making bro. better draft decisions. No, they, they have to commit to winning. They need to have a winning culture. Bro, they're doing well. Just give them the, the benefit of the doubt. They will do well because if you if you let them draft, they're going to probably draft a trash can. All right. With their <laughs> with their top five pick, they're probably going to draft a trash can and say, okay, that's our new five. So let them have this because what? this is the this I is the closest know, they've been to playoff relevancy in what? They got to embrace the five-year mission. Top five defense is big. You got Tom Thibodeau. Keep it rolling. Bro, five-year mission. They've been doing this for seven seasons. Hell, they've been doing this for 20 years. They've been bad for 20 years. They have to. That's why I said they have to. They have to have better management at this thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dolan needs to sell the team. But <laughs> I know. Luckily, they're somehow doing well. Right? If, if, if the Knicks somehow got better management, the five-year mission would eventually work. So your solution is picks, 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 picks. But I think that this... Them being a top Because there's no free agents team, are coming right now. you got to embrace the draft. They got Julius no Randle. They got Julius Randle, didn't they? Randle's legitimately looking like a star right now. It's incredible. And RJ Mitchell Robinson is, star. is a decent defensive contributor too. Yep. We I mean, haven't him. even seen what Avi Toppin can do. Go out and yeah. get Derrick Rose. Take it. Take it. And quickly you know? too. Yeah. They have a yeah. young, solid core. Let's just hope they don't mess it up because they said the same thing with Kevin Knox and what was his face? Uh, um, Frank Nilakina? Not Nilakina. The, the other guard. The two guard. Alonzo Trier. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was average. He was balling out for them too in like his first season. And then the next season, he averaged like a point and a half or two points. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you guys can do whatever. But Daniel, let him have, let the Knicks have this because if they're good and, you know, all, you know, we're in James Dolan's good graces, maybe he might sell us the team. Yeah. Considering what's happening next. Yeah. We got to, we got to <laughs> invest in uh, AMC and uh, GameStop. GameStop. So yeah. Money. <laughs> Oh my god. That's some crazy stuff, but crazy, crazy stuff. But uh speaking of other crazy things, um you know, NBA history was made on Monday because during the Charlotte Orlando game, it was the first time two female referees, Natalie Sago and Jenna Schroeder, officiated in the same NBA game. So crazy that it's taken so long, but finally breaking barriers and obviously all the posts that you know said the historical th- milestone. There were some sexist comments, which is never good. Actually, it sucks. But the fact that this is happening, you know, it's a it's a great sign for the league. Probably uh, the most progressive league in all of the major sports in America. So, uh, definitely applaud the NBA's uh, you know more progressive stance over the years. I think this is a good step. Um, personally, uh, there I think the um, the day will come when we will. Um, have our first female coach in the NBA. If the men can coach in the WNBA, why can't the women coach in the NBA? I've never it's only a matter understood. of time. I've never, un- I've never understood that. So, like, yeah, that's an inevitability. Um, maybe, um, I mean, there could be. There's like a small chance that a woman could play in the NBA one I day. It will happen eventually. I think it could happen. Uh, you never know. Um, there's a there's a lot of factors in play. Um, but yeah, this is a good step go, um, going forward. Definitely. Absolutely agree with you, Daniel. Great step. I think NBA 2K should have Becky Hammond as an assistant coach. I can never sign her on uh, uh, for the My League. 
yeah, that for sure should yeah. happen. <laughs> it's so weird because it's always like the main head coach and then the associate coaches are just like random dudes. Yeah. Like, it's like why? So uh yeah, I absolutely agree. So I'm I'm it's 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 amazing to see this. Um and hopefully we extend to the uh at the coaching aspect. I don't know, I kind of got distracted because as soon as we started talking like WNBA, I started thinking about Candace Parker and she left oh, the LA Sparks. We, we will get to that in a little bit. Oh man. Yeah, no, this is, this is awesome. This is great. And this is part of why I love the NBA's culture more than anyone else. Uh, I got to bring it up real quick and say uh, how strongly I stand against domestic violence to women with Chad Wheeler and what happened in the NFL, him nearly beating his, uh, his wife to death. And the fact that in the NFL, you still have Joe Mixon playing and Joe Mixon for the Bengals. He's chilling in the league and he punched his girlfriend in the face. She broke her jaw. There's a video of it and they don't blacklist players for this. And uh, it's ridiculous. And this is what I love about the NBA right here, because that would never fly there. And this is if they're video like that, horrible. And it's beautiful what they're doing. And the NBA has always been about equality and diversity. We're not living in the 1930s, people. Come on. There are a ton of women who can do the job better than a lot of men are doing their jobs right now. We're all people and we all need to embrace each other's differences and uniqueness. And it's not just a step in the right direction. It's obvious. Of course, we should all have an equal shot at success in this life. That's what we're striving towards. And absolutely, Becky Hammond, I think my coach of Spurs after Popovich retires and mm-hmm. the last article before Kobe Bryant died, the last thing he said in the news was women will play in the NBA one day. There's some who are good enough to play right now. I mean, I want to reiterate again. I know I've said this before. I've never understood why women were not, at least from the coaching side of things, were never allowed to coach the men because the men coach the women all the time. Like, you know, look at the UConn woman. Like, it's- who's their coach? A man. I think it's more along the lines of toxic masculinity and sports more than anything. So I think that may play a part on it, but that because sports have been a domain for men for centuries, right? For like however many years since sports have been around. So to see a woman doing the job that a man can do, if not better, that's threatening some men's perspectives on things. And that's why they're so adamant in those changes, which those changes need to happen. And whether these people like it or not, it will happen without them. And you can either be on the good side of history or on the bad side. It's honestly up to up to you. But yeah, I mean, on the other note, uh, we were talking about fans and Skyler. You talked about fans. Daniel, we're talking about COVID. It's the NBA will have nine teams allowing reduced crowds with Miami and Atlanta admitting fans. So Indiana started last week. Memphis allowed floor seat um, and ticket suite ticket holders. Jeez, that was hard. And those teams joined Cleveland, Houston, New Orleans, Orlando, and Utah with having fans in the stands per Mark Stein. And I was actually wa- uh, watching the Warriors and Utah Jazz game a few days ago, and they had fans, and some of the fans looked bored even though it was a blowout, which I get. But at the same time, y'all should be happy. You guys are one of nine teams. You guys are part of the third of the t- of the league that has fans in your stands. Just be glad that you're there, right? Because in California, we're dealing with so much right now. Like, just looking at this, we're, we're struggling, honestly. California is because, you know, California recently lifted their coronavirus stay-at-home orders which doesn't really make sense because la is a national hotbed 
And, you know, Governor Gavin Newsom said that this decision was based on ICU forecasts for the next four weeks, but the data that they used is not available to see by the public. And just to just to put this out there, more than 5,000 people died from COVID in less than one month. And again, this new variant that's found is found to be 50% more transmissible, which could lead to more infections, hospitalizations, and death per the LA Times. So it's cool to see fans in the stands, but in places like California, LA County in particular, it's not cool because it just shows that the NBA really needs to have a uniform policy on these type of things. But, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I, you know, th- shouting at the ether at this point. Personally, um, I think having fans in the stands in some places and having fans, in, not having fans in the stands in other places is kind of unfair to the other teams. I think it's, it, it potentially sets in, there's something, there's potentially unfairness could be in play, especially if you get into playoff time. Um, so personally, uh, I think this goes to, you know, the COVID policy of this country in general. If I don't think, I think there needs to be a uniform policy in place and it goes for all professional sports. If one team can't have fans then no one can have fans at all. So unless personally, I will, I do not want anything to go back to normal until this virus really dies down everywhere, not just one state. All 50 states. So I agree, agree with agree with you, uh, what you're saying there, Jared. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just think it's crazy, like, at least in the Long Beach area, just peek behind the cur- curtains, where I'm, where I'm at, they're lifting up the uh, restaurant thing where people can go back into eating, eating outside or being in groups and like, like COVID has died down. So I agree with you, Daniel. Um, I don't think any arena should have fans even if it's 15, 10%, whatever the case may be, especially now it, it's not over. It's have it be, have it be equal. Everybody, no fans. So yeah. we get clear. Abs- hey, the NBA's motto is, uh, is inclusion, equality. And with COVID specifically, we're all in this together. And so yeah. that's what I don't really understand with what they're doing because it's, I said it about the NFL. I've said it on this podcast about the NBA. To me, it's just not a good look to not have a uniform policy. That's really like, as far as what's going on and the fact that the NBA is a leader and shut down on March 11th, the day Tom Hanks got coronavirus, the day that it was declared a global pandemic by the WHO, the NBA were leaders in this and Right now is not the time to be like, hey, come back to camps. No, and I know that's not your message. It's not about the dollars, guys. Come on. Let's just do a uniform policy and all get back together happy. That's why the Lakers haven't raised their championship banner yet. Yeah. and Another one coming soon. (laughs) We'll see what happens. But, you know, I mean, it is interesting because I I know we, uh, we talked about how some players are kind of hesitant to get the vaccine. Well, Popovich, he, he just turned 72, I think, today, which is peak behind the curtain, January 28th. Happy birthday, Pop. Happy um, birthday, Pop. Happy birthday, Pop. He actually got the uh, the COVID vaccine and said, quote, it's a no-brainer. It's the right thing to do so we can all get back on get on track. Wow, that's hard. But, you know, I mean, he, the vaccine is coming. But right now, like you guys said, there uni- there needs to be some uniformity there should be no fans, but you know, money. But uh, one last thing here before uh, we get into some quick hitters. So, really quickly, 
the NBA is thinking about holding an all-star game in Atlanta in March per Woj. Um, the game would be a way for players and the league to support HBCUs and provide pandemic relief. Fans can start voting for all-stars from January 28th, which is today, all the way up to February 16th. Starters will be announced on February 18th and reserves will be announced on February 23rd, according to the NBA. Quick thoughts on that? Cause I think this is cool. Cool uh, idea. I mean, I mean, there's nothing can go wrong with it. Uh, I think we've all, we've all been hurt by this pandemic, especially colleges and universities and, you know, HBCUs will, you know, they are part of this discussion. And I think, I think like this would only help. So yeah, like, I applaud the NBA's decision on this. Absolutely. Uh, we've seen countless players uh, give back. I know one famous player that's on his podcast was a name that was mentioned on his podcast was Kyrie Irving. But uh, I know that he's uh, paid for tuition for students that attended uh, HBCU. So, yeah, just giving back to the community. That's what you love to see. Um, and I think this would be great. And it gives the fans uh, something to enjoy and watch as well and get excited for Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, HBCUs are so in line with the NBA's mission. When Chris Paul came to speak to USC, he mentioned that he was actually taking a class online at the HBC at an HBCU uh, mm-hmm. when he started in the bubble on the first day and literally said, you know, hey, if anyone wants to help me out, email, email your professor after like, you know, and uh, anyways, it, it's so in line with the causes of the players and what they support. And that's beautiful. And also, holding it's like you know when uh in i believe like the 1980s there was a concert called live aid with all these oh, big yeah. bands for freddie Mer- with uh queen <laughs> freddie mercury who died the of age you know, unfortunately the beach boys the rolling stones elton john and they raised money for aids when it was a real epidemic in and of itself and people didn't know what was going on similar to the situation we're in it really uplifted the spirits of people and with the nba being a leader and holding it, it is almost like a benefit concert for pandemic relief the nba's version of that i love it I think this is awesome and uh, and specifically the missions of HBCUs and pandemic relief with some of the horrors, uh, rest in peace, George Floyd, Bjorn Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and many, so many more. Uh, I think this is a really wonderful thing to be doing. Yeah. And we'll see how it, you know, formulates itself. It'll be really interesting. I think I'd, I'd love to see it. You'd love to see stuff like that, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But speaking of amazing things, Gee, your guy Isaiah Thomas, he's committed to play for Team USA for the Ameri- in the America Cup. Excuse me. Joe Johnson will also be joining him and Joe Prunty will be the coach per Woj. Uh Joe Prunty won three championship with championships with the Spurs and the tournament will take place from February 19th to the 20th. Are you guys tuning in for that or it's just one of those things that's it's cool but not really my cup of tea. I mean, it's cool. I mean, Isaiah Thomas would be fun to watch. I mean, Joe Johnson, Joe Johnson, too. Good. Lots of ISOs. ISO Joe. (laughs) Uh, Great player back in his day. Um, uh, I I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's kind of sounds like, honestly, it sounds something like you would have on your TV background if there's nothing to do. No offense. So it's like basically to you, it's it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. (laughs) If, 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 If I don't have anything to do anything to do that day, I'll just put it on there because there's nothing to do. I mean, basketball is basketball. I'll watch it. Just big shout out to Ice Cube. Just get all of the big three players 
and put him on the uh, Team USA team. We could have Josh Smith out there, you know, Al Harrington. We have some oh, good man. Stephen Jackson. We'll have yeah. some players out Imagine there. You know squad. I mean, I just – who else going to play on the team? Just free agency, free agents, Michael Kenneth Beasley. Fareed, maybe. Ken Fareed. Yeah, you know, maybe. Some names that we haven't heard of and, you know, or heard of, heard in a while at least, this is their chance to play for a contract. Because yeah. if I like, couldn't free go out there, average thirty rebounds a game, somebody <laughs> gonna sign him. Yeah, that's what. Uh, yeah. That's what. Wo- sorry to interrupt, but that's what Woj uh, initially pointed out was this is a way for Isaiah Thomas to come back. Say, say to teams like, "Hey, my hip's fixed. Sign me to a contract." But go ahead, Skyler. No, that that's the big thing for me. Will I actually tune in and watch this entire game? Probably not. I don't even know who's gonna be playing it on TV. But will I follow this game closely because I love Isaiah Thomas and really want to see him come back? Absolutely. Isaiah Thomas on the Boston Celtics in 2017. Let's not forget when he scored 53 points in the playoffs against the Wizards after his sister passed away. That was one of the most heroic moments in NBA history the guy was five foot nine and is was an absolute superstar it's unfortunate it lasted so short but that was one of the greatest seasons i've ever seen and and that performance in particular was so far and beyond the power of sports so i will be following this very closely but i probably won't too right. <laughs> i mean correct me if i'm wrong like that season he was like fourth in mvp voting right second second there you go he averaged like 28 points and like six or seven rebounds something crazy or yeah assists but and, and who's had a 50 point game that was five foot nine i don't think muxy bogues did it i don't think spud <laughs> webb did it like i think he's actually the shortest dude to have a 50 point game yeah well we'll see i mean if anything come back know. to the league <laughs> but yeah i mean we're talking about all these uh you know all these great news and things that we can expect to see in the future well Mark Cuban just launched a drug company dedicated on producing low-cost versions of high-cost generic drugs, according to Becker's Hospital Review. This is just another another thing that Mark Cuban's done that's just showing that he goes above and beyond, you know, his his reach, I guess. And, you know, we were talking about Karis Levert a few weeks ago. He actually had surgery to treat kidney cancer. So the mass that they found on his kidney turned out to be cancer. Uh, he's going to be out indefinitely, but prayers out to him. And shout out to the Pacers as well for standing by him. And they're committed to helping him get fully healthy per shams. So just, you know, two good news things from not necessarily basketball, but also in the world of health. And lastly, I know we're a, we're an NBA podcast, but I just want to end things off here. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs will face off in the superb owl um quick thoughts on that because quite frankly i couldn't care less it's a game that's happening in an arena somewhere so cool thoughts wow um man jared um you don't really care about football but um that that's i really don't that that's that that that, that doesn't mean that's bad but but anyways (laughs) um uh again uh the kansas city chiefs I'm rooting for them to win. I am not rooting for Tom Brady. This mess has been going on for what, like 20, 20 something years now? <laughs> A mess of six rings. <laughs> it, it, all, it all started when my Rams f***ed up in that Super Bowl. Uh, I, on behalf, on behalf of the LA Rams, I apologize to the rest of America. We started a mess we did not intend to do. 
to, to, to begin in the first place. So uh, that mess will hopefully end on February 7th in Tampa Bay when Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs have their coronation. So uh, Patrick Mahomes will be the future GOAT. Well, it must suck to root for a team that didn't win a Super Bowl in the last five years. Fly, Eagles, fly. Ca-ca. Anyways, uh, this is going to be a great Super Bowl. Um, uh, aside from what all that Daniel just said, we got we got the arguably the GOATs of the NFL and Tom Brady versus baby GOAT in uh, Patrick Mahomes going head-to-head. On top of that, these offenses are crazy. Super Bowl and scoring touchdowns just go hand-to-hand as well as with the commercials and the food. So I'm excited. I'm excited for the super, super, how you say, Jared? Superb Owl. Yeah, that. <laughs> uh, you know, G, what do you call a baby goat? A kid. So it is the goat versus the kid. I love it. And uh, I actually was on a sports talk show and predicted on September 10th, basketball will always be my number one, okay? But I predicted the Lakers 14 months before, so I decided to go all in on football, my number two favorite sport, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would beat the Kansas City Chiefs. So far, I predicted the two teams in the Super Bowl. And you know what? I'm really excited for this game. Patrick Mahomes is the future GOAT. It's not a question. He's changing the game. Ever since he scored 50 touchdowns in his first season, he's the first legit dude since Tom Brady entered the league in 2000. And he will win at least two more Super Bowls this decade, if not many more. But Tom Brady, with these kind of weapons, having his second most touchdowns since 2007 with 40 touchdowns, and the guy is 43 years old, uh, no matter how you feel about him, you're going to miss hating him. If you hate him, I mean, it's just you're never going to see anyone succeed in this sport at 43 years old like that again, uh, strictly from the aspect of, you know, greatness, preparation, and, and these two guys doing it, GOAT versus future GOAT. It's going to be a hell of a game. Absolutely. And, you know, it's um, speaking of succeeding, uh, just a quick shout out to uh, Candace Parker. She's leaving the Sparks and gee, that's uh, heartbreaking news to you. But any last words before we wrap things up? Candace, I love you. I hope you're hearing this out. I know you're single. This is my shot. <laughs> All jokes. But um, I'm going to I'm I, I'm a Sparks fan. If you guys didn't know, I'm a Candace Parker fan. And not only did we lose Candace Parker, but Chelsea Gray as well. Um, Chelsea Gray went to the Las Vegas Aces and then Candace Parker uh, returned home to the Chicago Sky. Um, so, I mean, I'm still going to follow her career. Um, everybody that's listening to this podcast, if you're a big NBA fan, uh, check out some WNBA games. Sabrina yes. Ananescu is coming back. Um, it's, yes, it's Yeah, we got Daniel all excited. She's someone who could play in the NBA potentially. With she is so good. But shout out Candace Parker. Shout out Candace Parker. Yes, I love watching her on the spark. Love watching her as an analyst. And, uh, you know, I will miss seeing her on the L.A. Sparks because she she was the L.A. Sparks to me. You know, I started watching the WNBA more in the mid 2000s. And, and the NBA does such a great job of supporting the WNBA. And the WNBA is just an amazing league. Tune in, everyone. It's great stuff. Yeah. And speaking of tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the Shooting Bricks podcast and leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us out. And lastly, make sure to follow us on at Podcast Bricks on Twitter and at Shooting Bricks Podcast on Instagram for all the news on the Shooting Bricks podcast. And as always, I'm Derek Castillo. 
And I'm Danny Huan. I want to give a random shout out to Francesca Mariano. I admire your work on Chicks in the Office and the Dime Package. Look, I know football is your number one sport, and I'm not even sure if you're a basketball fan, but hey, it, the uh, opportunity will always be out there. You can always come on Shooting Bricks, and we can all we can always talk basketball with you. The invitation is out there. I mean, since we shooting our shot, Candace Parker, we would love to have you on the show as well. You'll find me in your DMs this weekend. I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not playing, but it's your boy, Relly Real, Jarrell Sills. All right, this is Skylar here. And uh, guys, please check out our special hashtag for Kobe is the title of the episode podcast for the Black Mamba. Man, after the one year anniversary, his legacy is just growing so much more. The impact is unlike anything we've seen in any field. And the Black Mamba will live on forever. Mamba forever. Mamba out. Mamba out, and we will see you next week.